0: My name is Kim Rothwell and this is the Return to Embodiment. In today's episode, I'm speaking with Jeff Gilbert. Jeff is a trained dance movement therapist and a student of plant medicine. He did an apprenticeship with the plants and with a shaman in the Amazon rainforest of Peru for six years. Prior to that, he spent time in organizational development, worked as a psychotherapist, using bodywork, craniosacral, and EMDR in his practice. In his search and his seeking, As a healer, he was taken to the rainforest and to the teachers found there, the plants and the shaman. And this is a chance to listen in to a call on behalf of our children, a vision for a more compassionate, joyful life within each of us and between us on this sacred island home we all share. Jeff begins by settling himself into the quiet, and in doing so, models for us a starting place for this work. A practice of listening into what is most useful, what is most real, what is most beautiful. Welcome to the Return to Embodiment. Thank you so much for agreeing to talk to me.
1: Yeah, thank you for asking. And it's, um, it's really good timing. And it's been an incredible time for me to really synthesize like six years in Peru. That was so intense. And so it's been just incredible and really what I needed, but lots of learning, a lot of learning. So this is, yeah, this is great timing.
0: Oh, perfect. Yeah. So, um, I guess it was a while ago. We're getting old.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It seems to happen, doesn't it?
0: How is that possible? Yeah. some time ago we met, um, when we were both working at a hospital together.
1: Yeah. Oh, should we, are we, are we starting the podcast now too?
0: Yeah. I'll go. If it's okay with you, I'll go ahead and start.
1: That sounds great. What I'll do is, um, maybe just go into the quiet for one second and then we can, can we start it up Is that? So we're pretty much good to go and then we'll start it and you say go and then we'll begin. Perfect. Okay. That sounds great. No, The quiet. Okay. That sounds great.
0: I love that to start with quiet. I just was really struck by how beautiful it is to begin. An interaction with silence. I think that's really nice.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: the The question that I like to ask first, as I as I begin these interviews, is, "How is embodiment to you?"
1: Yeah, and um, and with that, uh, I would like to go into the quiet again a little bit. And what I find is that the thinking mind and the head mind can have these theories and beliefs and ideas, and it might be from 20 years ago or five years ago or even yesterday, and it's not not living anymore. And in the quiet and in the connection with the body, the connection with the heart, there's the connection for me with what's living and living and breathing and to move into that. And so with that embodiment question, and maybe we can, as we're talking with the content also, Kind of tie in that process about what is embodied conversation what does that mean to me what does it mean to you and um and so my pauses might be a little bit longer and in that i am going into my body and into my heart and really sensing it and letting it be living so i'll do that now with the embodiment question yeah
0: you can also invite a listener to do that
1: yeah. wish. that sounds beautiful For me, um, things have been changing so fast, and we've talked a little bit. I've, for the last six years, my focus has been studying plant medicine in the Amazon. And so, I'll, as much of my time as I can—first it was like you know a full year, and then it was ten months—and I'm down there working with the plants. And there's this wonderful shaman down there, and he'll give me these teas to drink. He'll take a plant, and before we—we we didn't have any, any any way to talk. So he spoke mostly Shipibo and some Spanish. I had no Spanish and he would take a plant and he would scrape it so I could smell it. And he'd let me smell it. And then I'd smell it and it would smell like my heart would open and my body would open. And, um, and, and then we would do this process where at the end I would be going into the jungle. I'd be there by myself for two months in a hut with all the supplies I need. And, he'd give me this tea he'd make out of the plant for the first three days and then it just brings everything to the surface everything to the surface and sometimes it was so painful i couldn't even it's just hard to function it was so painful it brings up anything that's been repressed or denied and what would also happen is i started to hear a dialogue in my head with a um, and it's hard to answer any question without having this be a background because it informs most of what's most, really all of what's most important to me these days. Um, So I began hearing a dialogue inside my head that wasn't my own voice. And it was teaching me these incredible things, things I had that would be not even in my framework or worldview. And what I came to understand later is they would call that the spirit of the plants. So the shaman opens up this field, the plants open it up, and it's like having a master teacher inside my head 24-7, which at times is beautiful, at times is infuriating, like, stop, I don't want to learn anymore, and so what, um, and part of it was so painful, and so what I was taught in my last round in Peru, when I was there for five months, I would go to, I would go to uh, this place that was so beautiful, and it's a hot springs, and, um, So there's these valleys coming down and one's a cold water river and another one's a hot water river. And there was most of the time there was nobody there. And I would have a conversation with this voice in my head that was not like my own. And, um, and I'd call it now eco embodiment, but the conversation would be, who is this being me? Who is this being by this beautiful hot springs with macaws flying over And it's gorgeous. And it's this living ecosystem that's timeless. Who is this being here? And my heart is open and my breath is deep. And there's a sense of joy and aliveness and vitality. And I'm curious and there's insights flowing through. And so for me, what they've been teaching me is that embodiment is about everything. It's about what ecosystem and I am what is happening around me with the animals with the plants and the trees and then I would go into this little town so some of my time was out there some of it was in this little town and I was pretty deep in the jungle for me so it's like when I first got there it was a 10-hour boat ride in surrounded by jungle only to go in by boat or plane like a light aircraft and um and I'm in this town where there's motorcycles that are really inexpensive and there's dust everywhere, and it's heavy and sorrow. So there's a lot of stealing and lying, and it's just heavy and dense and painful. The question is, who is this being in this? My heart is tight, and I'm I'm looking around for who might you know do something, and you know. So it's just, and there's a ton of poverty. So it's just always people in this survival reptilian brain. Who is this being in this environment? And it's very different. So to pretend like this being is a constant is not true for me. Um, and so my love for the earth keeps growing and growing where it's just this, just my heart's filled with such joy being in these places of beauty. So embodiment for me is about just this incredible love for the earth and just being on a paradise and being clear that I'm a given another day on this paradise with these plants and animals and ecosystems and, and to honor that and respect that. So that's a, it's a big question. It's a long answer, but it's a big question. So that's a lot of embodiment right now to me is how to be a good person on this planet and how to, how to honor the gifts.
0: So the embodiment for you right now is aliveness in relation to your surroundings. <laughs>
1: that's a great way. That was, I, I gave a long answer, but that's a great way to put it. It's about all of it. It's about yeah, all of it. And how am I in my body? How is my breath? How is my aliveness? How am I dead? Am I alive? How am I affected by all of this? Mm. And vice versa.
0: It also sounds a bit like like adopting a compassionate witnessing toward that. What that looks like.
1: I think it definitely includes that. And um, and there's so many perspectives from so many ways. What comes to mind is that, and in a lot of times in these processes, um, it's the experience of pure love light. And from that place of pure love light, it is compassion. So it's compassion and love and identify. I don't want to say identifying more, but having the consciousness come from that place where it is compassionate, where compassionate witnessing. Yes, absolutely.
0: Yeah, I have been, I've been reading Braiding Sweetgrass. Mm. I- by Robin Wall Kimmer. She's a Native American um, botanist. Wow. And her book is so moving. Um, When I'm reading it, I'm not out in nature, but I get a taste of what you're describing. Or that's that's maybe my reference point for what you're describing. And also the, the opportunities that I've had to be out in nature. Did you see my shirt?
1: No. What does it say? I don't know why I wore this today. Oh, I love that. Oh, my God. I just print up, send those to everybody on the planet, right? May the forest be with you. Oh, man, that's perfect. So is this woman, she's Native American, and she also studied at university and got a PhD. Is this? Yeah. I think my friend gave me a little pamphlet for hers which i loved and she and oh, it was so fun to be in this conversation and so my understanding too is she's saying she had this relationship living relationship with the earth and plants and trees the Native americans would it's a being it's not like oh just chop this down and then she went to study at university and they gave her all these categories and things and it's not living and and then she went back and combined both of them is that correct of how are they living? how are they breathing, and then also what's the categorization? Oh yeah, it's beautiful
0: yeah, teaching I would say she she brought beauty back into the science, she brought spirit back into the science
1: yeah, insanity it's almost like I just almost see our species as going insane right Where, if relationship, I can
0: returning relationship into
1: oh man
0: mm-hmm
1: if the, I can look if I can look at a 500-year-old oak tree and all I see is timber, man, I have just, I'm dead. And yeah, she just talks about this. And I like it as we're talking about embodiment. What is relationship to the body, to the plants? And so, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, um, you're talking about the plants, ingesting the plants and the plants actually speaking to you and teaching you. Can you... um, describe what maybe one of those experiences
1: yeah um i'm going to drop in again too yeah And so what was fun was there weren't other westerners there and part of that was incredibly difficult i mean i thought i was going to lose my mind a lot um what was good about that was I didn't have anybody else's maps or perspectives. It was just my relationship with the shaman, um, and the plants, and his family. And so I, I'm out in this hut, and then um, there was yucca, which is something you know we pull from the ground from like a small tree. It's like a very small tree, and you pull it up, and so it's, it's like a tuber you eat. And um, and I'm hearing how is it from this. Voice I would describe as not my own. How is it that I'm a grown man and I've never grown or pulled my own food? Just how how is this conceivable? That wouldn't be coming from my mind necessarily because I go to the store and and so they're they're showing me um, learn to grow your own food, learn to touch the soil, learn to work with these plants. And they started teaching me about experience near and experience far and kids we have them as a society sit in these chairs for eight hours a day and they lose touch with their bodies and it's horrible and we turn them into little thinking machines it's like a little army where then somebody actually as we talk about embodiment I felt myself get emotional and I wanted to push that down and let myself feel that we we train them to become beings where somebody can sit at a desk and with a swipe of a pen, obliterate a mile of Amazon rainforest, which is going so fast, 20% of it's gone, and it's going so fast. And I experienced the Amazon as a living being, as do the shamans, and it's a web of infinite intelligence. You'll have you'll have an ecosystem that's timeless. It's been there since however long that part of the earth was growing it, and there's this, it just teaches everything. And we can go in and and hammer that out, so we turn these children into machines that can just no embodiment, no consciousness. Boom, and that's experience far. I have a pen. I sign this document. A mile of the Amazon is gone. And experience nears. I'm touching the soil. I'm growing the food. And they would say, let's say, grow out and you know, go out and grow plants, grow trees. You can feed if you grow. If you grow, if you plant a hundred trees, you can feed a small community. And then um. Okay, I'll just share this too. So then I'd hear, Google this place that I had never been. And after the dieta, I Google it. And there was a community there. And then from there, I go on to a free permaculture class. And they're teaching me to plant trees. And so I have my hands on the soil. And people are teaching me how to plant it. And it's free. And we're laughing and playing. And so it's that kind of process. It's miracles happening a lot. in incredibly difficult times. But...
0: Oh, that makes me so happy.
1: Yeah, that's good to hear. It makes me happy Yeah, too. just
0: to imagine you going from the dieta yeah, where you had that question, how is it you're a grown man and you've never learned to grow your own food? And yeah. then you just went and started <laughs> growing stuff, <laughs> started working with your hands with the soil. You had this and I had- oh, good. door open for it.
1: And that is such a great way to describe the shamanic work in plant medicine is these doors open. And first for me, I mean, I've really had to go into the dark night of the soul Um, because it brings up everything. I'll have a friend that'll say, the plants show us what's in our heart and they show us what keeps us from being there. So there's this huge opening into love light. And then I see what it is that stops me when I was, when I was in the jungle, I had, I had, I, so I let go of everything I owned to go there, except for two, Big duffel bags, and I had these leather shoes that I used to wear in my psychotherapy practice, <laughs> and they were great for keeping bugs out because they were they were sturdy, you know. And I didn't care anymore. So when I'm pulling the sh- when I'm pulling the yucca up, I'm wearing my psychotherapy shoes and I'm wearing my sh- my pants, <laughs> and I'm and I'm thinking I'm pulling yucca like a guy standing outside his office in Michigan Avenue in Chicago. You know, it's like this kind of disembodied kind. of I'm not quite sure how to. One of the one of the locals, one of the natives would come in and they'd scratch it up and pull it up in two minutes. Um and so yeah, and so to have that and what's also funny is so there's this community that I felt I needed to go visit. And they said, Okay, you know, we can't wait to have you and and part of the thing is we work 20 hours a week on the land. And I'm thinking, Oh God. Like I hated mowing the lawn as a kid, you know, I don't wanna it's like twenty hours of chores or something. Like, oh geez. But I knew I needed to go because it felt right in my body and my heart. And I'm like, oh, whatever. Let's get this done, you know. <laughs> and then and I show up. <laughs> Isn't that funny? And that's the head, mind, thinking thing. That's, And when we see what's going on in society with, you know, some might say half the species are extinct and we're destroying the planet. And it's all this head, mind, shatter of nonsense. And so I'm there. And these people are working on the land and they're having so much fun. They're singing, they're dancing, they're doing ecstatic dance and, they're, and they have their hands in the earth and they're so happy. And I learned that I cannot have a bad day if I'm out working, growing a food forest or planting a garden, it's an incredible day. It's always an incredible day. And yeah, so I love that healing up takes place from, they show me what's wrong and then the door opens and then boom, changes my life. I'm planting a fig tree here, I wish I could show you. It's a beautiful fig tree, it's awesome. And people can eat from that fig tree for the next 70 years, and it's beautiful, and it's a great friend. <laughs> <So>.
0: <laughs> do you do you have a um like I guess I should say, um, the listeners won't be able to see you, but I can see you, and you're sitting framed among a bunch of trees. You're outside, your shirt's off.
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: you're in nature like this is this is perfect um do you as you're sitting there like how is the embodiment within the space that you're in right now do you sense into the trees do you
1: yeah um and i can drop in again for that too so um so part of this which is kind of funny at that permaculture school, there was a guy who had a, a a Ph.D. in biotech from something like the University of Southern California, and he went into biotech, found it was lacking in ethics. I'm not saying that's for everybody, but for him it was. He went on to teach and do different things. He was kind of semi-retired, and he would just wear this man skirt around, no shirt, no sh- no shoes, no shirt. And when he was going to teach class, I thought. Well, have put something teacherly on, you know, but he's in the garden all day, and he just shows up in his man skirt with his. He, that's all he wore every day, and I thought this is a little quirky. And then you just get used to it. It's just like, who cares what my hair looks like? Who care? I wear this, you know. I've got seven man skirts. That's my whole. That's my whole thing. You know, I wash once a week. Um, and so yeah, so I just got used to it, and it, and all these things we do. And why do we do? them? like, why do I wear clothes? If it's warm out, why am I wearing clothes? That's doesn't make sense. I wear them because everybody else wears them because they taught me to wear. But so part of this too is, so I, I spend this, the last round out there was, was five months in Peru. And a lot of it is by this gorgeous hot springs. And, um, and they keep opening my heart and they keep connecting me with the land. And I'm growing a garden with one of the girls there that, one of the family that I'm living with, one of the indigenous family the fa- indigenous family I'm living with, just this cute girl and she wants to grow a garden. So we grew coconut trees and, and avocado trees. And, and it was so fun. We're doing it with her little brother and we're digging these holes and planting trees. And her family's very gifted shamans. So they, they have this beautiful relationship with the plants and earth and trees. And, and I went there and I went to, when I finished, I went to a big city in the U.S. And um, And I can feel myself dissociate as I say this. So I start to, my breath gets shallow. I start to leave my body. Um, And again, the context for this for me is what they would teach me over and over again is that this is for real. That if we're talking about half the species being extinct, the Amazon being 20% cut, the oceans, there's a lot of research that the oceans can be depleted in 50 years, the topsoil can be destroyed in the U.S. in 50 years at this trajectory, this is a dismal picture for us and for our children. And my God, these children that I love, I mean, Noam Chomsky is a genius, one of the most brilliant minds. E.O. Wilson, one of the most noted biologists of our times, famous biologist. They're talking about humanity standing at the edge of a precipice where we have to decide whether we want to continue to have organized human life. And this is the same thing they're teaching me in dieta. Like, this is for real. You have to decide. And nobody out there is doing this. There's nobody out there doing this. When I see those huge logs, bigger than, wider than I am tall, floating on the Amazon, I'm the one buying them. Like, there isn't, I want to get angry, but it's, I can only look at me. And I being the collective, you know, I'm from the United States. We use a lot of these resources. No shame or blame. There's just not even time for that. It doesn't even matter. But the fact is, like, that's from me. So I was, I was down there um, and there was an oil spill in a village further up the way. Those people don't have money. They don't get a new job in another town. They're living, they eat fish every day. And that's where they've lived since they remember ever having been conscious. And then there's an oil spill. And if I talk about embodiment, if I let myself, I would just be sobbing. There's an oil spill where they don't have food or they're eating fish with oil. When I was down there, over the six years, three of the children from the family I was with died. The, the mercury is 20 times twenty times higher than the, the state of Brazil would allow for. Um, and so these, these are, to, and part of it was I, I was so dissociated from this. And they had to bit by bit move me into my body, help me remember things. And this is a long answer to the question, but it feels important. But so they would open up, what I would call almost like open up the portal, open up this consciousness. And I would remember watching a National Geographic special when I was a young child. And then, oh, it's like, it's fun and it's interesting. And then at the end, oh, this species is extinct now. Or, oh, there's only three acres of this land left in Brazil in a national park. As a child, that's horrifying. It's absolutely horrifying. Oh, by the way, this, by the way, the macaws, by the way, the jaguars, by the way, the polar bears. And by the end, And they were walking me through this process in the dieta, meaning the internal voice. that's different from my own. And and I remembered becoming numb and shutting down. And I'd get to the end of the National Geographic special and be like, whatever. Like, I get it. They're dead. They're extinct. Like, I'm going to turn the Simpsons on. Like, I just can't handle the pain. I don't have the bandwidth to handle the pain. And I'd call it eco-trauma. I don't see how anybody can be on this planet and not have eco-trauma. Um and so this is the context for which this is flowing through. So I, I come from this jungle paradise, which is also bitey and wasps, and you know, so it's I don't want to make it sound too uh like oh, it's just all fun and games, but it's also gorgeous. And and then I show up, I fly to this city in the US that's all concrete. And I'm walking down trying to go to a store, and I'm staying with a friend, and they've paved the whole thing. It's a gated community where there's this small four by six patch of grass, maybe the same kind of tree, like for a block, like blocks and blocks. And then I'm walking down the street to go to the store and I feel this pain in my body. It's a searing pain. And I'm thinking, I'm gonna go buy two bags of cookies and I'm gonna go get a video and I don't care. I'm just gonna go do it. And I don't I don't do well with sugar because I want to keep eating it. And I haven't eaten it for years like refined sugar. And so I'm thinking, I don't care, I'm going to I'm going to eat it. I'm buying these cookies and I'm going to eat two bags of cookies and watch this whatever crazy maybe get some kind of violent smack them up movie. And I had to catch myself. It's like what's going on? And so I took a deep breath and I saw what was going on in my body. I'm leaving my body. I'm not in my feet. My breath is shallow. I'm not I'm not even in my body. And it's and when I check it's just pain. It's just searing Paint. And I look, and there's, there's nothing. It's concrete and sod. There's no animals, and there's one. I wish I could swear tree. That's the same tree every block. One tree, and it's horrifying. And that used to be an ecosystem that was teeming with life. If somebody, if we watched one of our friends get killed, we'd say that was really, that was insane. If we watched an animal in love, we'd say that was insane. We take out species, man, human beings. We take out species. The extinction rate is something like, what, 100, 150 per week or something? A species. And then when you talk about an ecosystem of complex life since it started on this planet, and we wipe it out for miles, for miles, and don't even think twice about it. Um, it's insane, and we're, we've become accustomed to it. And so when we talk about, you know, I do feel comfortable here. Like, how am I in this place? How is kind of eco embodiment here? So I feel I'm in a forest and I always seek these out now. And um, and I have the fig tree I'm growing and it's just a relationship here. I'm in a community where they have a ton of respect for this land. They bought like 300 acres 50 years ago and they very much value this ecosystem. And what I see is that there's such care and love for this land. And the, I just feel this land, love them back. Like to a T almost everybody here has been fine during this virus. That might sound mystical to people, it might not, but I. there's a Buddhist saying, um, the Dhamma protects those who protect the Dhamma. You might say the truth protects those who protect the truth. I'd say the ecosystem protects those who protect the ecosystem. And when we see it as a living being and we move beyond the sense of, you know, there's just coincidence or what's whatever. But so, so yeah, so that's a very much a part of it. And so I really had to, I had a lot of healing to do of how I could even function in that concrete environment and let myself feel the pain without numbing out. Yeah. And I haven't talked with a lot of people about this. So this is kind of a therapy session slash slash conversation. But so thank you for listening.
0: Oh, this is such an honor to hear. And I just was feeling like, Oh, that whole what you just said deserves silence. It deserves oh, you. land, you know. calling you're calling out the numbing. Yeah. That we do in the face of the destruction that we cause.
1: And that was um I really, I heartfelt appreciate the mirroring on that, Kim, because if, we, if we're tracking the embodiment, we can see, like, my voice, my speech is kind of forced, and I'm starting to move into my head, and I'm, it's like a, ah, God. and I'm leaving my body, in a sense. And when you brought us back to the quiet, I mean, I just wanted to start sobbing again. I just want, it's, it's, it's almost more than I can tolerate sometimes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So to be embodied with that, I don't you know on this planet it's just
0: yeah it i i'm also um i'm struck by the difference between being numb and being alive and the singing and dancing and planting and aliveness and the moving through concrete places where there's very little life and feeling that in a way that is that means you're alive you're alive to what is what is but they were trying to teach you yeah As to the numbing of I just don't want to think or know or I don't want to suffer this yeah which I get that yeah I, I get that, that's what we do. That's a lot of what we do. And it takes so much courage to feel the, the suffering and to then on the, on the other side, this, this other thing that you, that you described, which is also like that is our access to true life and joy.
1: Yeah, and the horrible irony of that, right? Like we're all doing the best we can, Um, And we see that the system, society, it's not working. Clearly it's not working on so many levels um, when we see the destruction of the earth. And what, what really did catch me is that in this, so in this community that's pure concrete, almost, I feel like it'd be two different species. We tracked one for a thousand years one way and one for a thousand years in another environment. And, um, and I've come back. There was one time I came back from, and it's this back and forth between the jungle and in and, and the States or other places. And it, it's just the contrast, contrast. And one time I just, I was seeing some of the painful things. And I just bust out sobbing. I mean, just sobbing because it's all so avoidable. It's also unnecessary, so I'm in this community and we're we're working in the garden and we're singing, we're dancing we're laughing um, and we have materially what what would be described as very little, and we just have everything that we need and um, and so we create these systems where we need to you know, you take out fifty thousand dollars in student loans and you buy the two hundred and fifty thousand dollar house and you get you know not everybody but how many people get the job where it's like, that doesn't really feel good? I'll speak for myself. Out of college, I'm working in a Fortune 500 company, and every day feeling a little bit debtor and a little bit number. And people say, what do you got to do? You got to pay the bills. So how, to, how do we find the tools that as a species, we move back to so that we can feel it? Somewhere we, we went off course that we do these things that we all make us debtor because that's what we all do. How do we stay alive? And it's a beautiful question. It's a beautiful question. And and just the thing is, is that it's so joyful and full to be alive. And so why do we why do we create these systems where we're destroying everything that's most valuable to us? The jungles, the rivers, the oceans. That's one of the reasons I love the plant medicine and shamanic work so much. I had done everything I could. I mean, when I was in the States, I was just was inner work and inner work. And that's what I did for a living. And um, and there was stuff I couldn't get to. And I forgot how Einstein said it, but this idea of we can't see the system from in itself. We need to move beyond the system to see the system. And that's what the plants do. And I just wish that for anybody who wanted it, a way to go in, detox, whatever we've done to ourselves to create the society and get that look. My God, this is, what I'm doing that's unskillful. This is, this is what's in my heart. This is what keeps me from it. You know, that we can all have that, who wants it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so you are a dance movement therapist.
1: Yeah.
0: And a plant, and a, um, I'm sorry, what is it, what, what, what would you call yourself as a, as a person who studies the plants or takes the plants? Like, is there a word for that?
1: It's a good question. I think it's one of those things where we um, we kind of set up a definition, and then we define what the definition definition is a little bit. So I would I would more just describe it as, um, th- yeah, I had background with dance movement therapy, which I love and is a core of me and what I do, and then had some more basic psychodynamic, which is a little bit more mainstream, and EMDR, and I used to do cranial sacral and structural integration, which is in the School of Rolfing, and now I've been apprenticing with the plants for six years. And, um, and that's a very important piece of who I am and what I do too. I don't know the terms anymore. That's you know?
0: okay. That's all right. Yeah. Yeah. So you, yeah. You've had an apprenticeship with the plants.
1: Yeah. And the shaman.
0: And the shaman. I, um, I think originally the way that dance therapy was taught was by apprenticeship, right? I
1: believe it. Yeah
0: learning from someone who was doing something. Yeah. Healing.
1: That sounds wonderful.
0: Yeah. Um, so you honestly, some of the questions that I was planning on asking you don't feel as important as what we've talked about.
1: <laughs> yeah, whatever whatever comes up and whatever's living. And oh, right. and I I'll try to answer anything I can too, by the way. So whatever you like, I'd let it roll and I'll say yes or no. Yeah.
0: I mean I um I remember conversations that we had when you talked about what it was like to be a man. Yeah. In this field. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost all women. Yeah. My memory of it, and you can take it however you want, but it's it was one of maybe the layers of like masculinity. And yeah. you were able to move through that into something that was authentic. Yeah. And kind of remove a layer. Um and at the same time there was something that was true and authentic that was, and then this is once again me. Um that was like manness. Yeah. That was hard to find a mirror for.
1: Yeah. And this is um how fun to reflect on this. And so I'll drop in for this too, because this is. And when I see what's happening on the planet, just is such a, a key piece of healing from this, or at least it has been for me. So let me drop in. And... and so I'll start with a memory from class. There's 16 or 17 of us in class, um, there's some people who have been professional dancers and everybody there has been just dance, dance, dance. I, I don't know if I ever told you this, I disliked dance so much. i It was one of my least favorite things in the world. I would never dance. It's one of those things where your girlfriend's like, can we dance? I'm like, oh God, do we have to dance? I don't, you know, I'm like, no, Jesus. And so i like, yeah. I can hear the melodramatic, my voice, but, but I grew up playing football. So we, we hit each other. We, we put on pads and we watched football and we played football and we smacked each other around. And, um, and so, and this is less funny, but I just have to say it. We never targeted somebody to say like, this person in our group is gay and we are going to bash him or say cruel things. But the names that 12-year-old boys call each other, gay, sissy, But I mean, just on and on. And so you wanted to be a man. I wanted to be a man. You want to be ready to fight. You want to be ready to make sure nobody's pushing you around. You want to suit up your football stuff and hit somebody. There was one time where they had us in a drill in football. They lined us up really far away, like 15 feet away. And they had us run straight at each other. And um, just hit each other as hard as we could. And there was I'm lined up against a guy who's huge. So I'm probably 140 pounds. He's probably 190. And um, and I hit him as hard as I absolutely could. Everything in my body. I laid at him, like I just. And afterwards, he's like, my ears are ringing. I'm like, I me too. I was almost unconscious. But the thing is, rather to have him flatten me or to look like I'm scared or look like I'm little. And I bring that up because it's insane. And it's a way, again, where we can create machines. It's a way where I can numb out from my body, which says, I shouldn't be running straight at a guy who's way larger than me to hit him as hard as I can in front of everybody. And we're, you know, it's, it's insane and it's cruel. And it leads to part of how, again, at a swipe of a pen, we can knock out a mile of the Amazon because I'm so gone from my body. And so, cut to another memory. And um, and I'll drop in again because you can hear again. My speech gets rapid and start dissociating. I mean, it was it's I had to detox from all that by dissociating. Meaning, it's more. It's not easy to comprehend in a body in a form that from an awake place that that could happen or I could do that. So cut to another memory, and I'm in dance class, and there's. 16 or 17 of us and some of them are professional dancers and we're working through different movement qualities and the directive of the person facilitating the group, the professor is something like, we're, she didn't use these words, but we're gonna move as soft and flowy as, as possible. everybody, so I'm, with sick. yeah, you can laugh when it's good laugh, so you can see that background. And I'm sitting there, and everybody's moving, flowy and dancing, and I'm like, oh, Jesus. And so I'm trying to, it's like, I'm trying to, with my hand or my arm, maybe go a little flowy, and I start seeing the faces of all the football players, and I had to leave the room. And I leave the room, and I'm doubled over. I'm like, oh, Jesus, I can't do this. Like, I can't I can't take two years of this. I'll be, I'll be out of my mind. I just... And if you can imagine what it takes to numb out enough to smash into somebody that large, it takes a lot. And it's not easy to undo that. So to come back in the room and then I'd come back and I'd go, I'd leave the room and then I'd come back in and I'd try and I'd leave and I'd go, I am not going to let like memories of 14 year old boys dictate who I am in a body right now. I, I'm in philosopher Michelle Foucault says, That power is diffuse, so the struggle against it must be localized. So power is diffuse, so the struggle against it must be localized. What that means to me is I can't change the world. I can't change that football team. I can't change what they're doing to kids, indoctrinating them but I can walk in this room and move as soft. I'm going to be the softest flowiest, flowiest person in this room, man. Like, here we go. And, then, you know, and so, and so then I would go back in and, and and so it was just like this detoxing and detoxing. And I'm not kidding you. I would have to leave that class and go back and do my own work with getting cranial sacral work or, or, or um, my own therapy and my own, um, you know, sensory motor psychotherapy to, to shake off, I was so destabilized. It was, it was really hard for me to ugh, just letting go of the brainwashing. And so, the yeah.
0: Power of, the power of moving in a different way or in a way that you were forbidden yeah, was destabilizing, was reworking your circuits, reworking your understanding of your potential reworking how you were allowed to be in the world.
1: Yeah, I love how you phrase it, absolutely. It's just like this foundation that's just not even functioning, but to have the foundation taken out, it hurts. Yeah, absolutely. So I was telling someone about one of these last memories where I was, um, we were sharing with the class what we loved most. It was when we were finally getting ready to graduate. And one of classmates says, I love bubble baths and I love to read stories. And she had us getting fake bubble baths and she read us The Little Prince and I loved it. And it was just like, like this is so fun. And she's reading us The Little Prince and we're all in our fake bubble baths. And, and I'm not looking around to see if the football players are going to come in and start, you know. And it's, and it's freedom. And, and to have this, to have all of me back as much as possible. What an incredible gift. And there were times I found, and so I just, I can't even stress that enough what a gift that is. Cause I could, I could sit there and I could say, Oh no, I'm fine with my inner feminine. And Oh, I don't, I don't have any homophobia whatsoever, but try to move soft and flowy. And then what really happens, I can't lie. Cause I'm going to get all the memories back. Um, but yeah, so the body does not lie. And so the freedom from that is such an incredible gift. And then there were times when I had gone, I was at a, American Dance Movement Therapy Association conference, and it was almost all women. I think there was maybe one other guy there, or something, or two, or I, I don't know, but I didn't, they would never be in my, in the groups we would meet with. They would never, they were never around me. I didn't. Um, and so we're in one, and it's by the end of the conference, and we're, we're doing this kind of soft flowy flowier thing with 40 women in the room. And I'm like, I can't take it anymore. Like I, I can't, I cannot take it. I need to go, I need to, I, was, I need to go watch a video where there's some punching or kicking. Cause I just can't take it. <laughs> but it's good to experiment with what is, what is really innately where I'm wired and then what has just been just indoctrinated indoctrinated
0: indoctrinated right right i'm really struck by how you how you said that was initially there was a lack of freedom in your body right there was an inhibition Absolutely. to be able to access certain types of movement in your body yeah but then at the conference you can access that but you're really ready you have an appetite for something else
1: yeah that's a great way to put it Absolutely. Absolutely. And how much do we lock out of ourselves as a society when we have kids sit at desks for eight years, eight hours a day and do that for years? Yeah. Um, and part of um, and i don't want to I don't want to shift from that if if there was something else in there because I love the exploration, watching the kids in the jungle, they they're not head mind isn't king, it's not God there. So they climb a tree, they swim in the river, they run around and they chase each other, they have a little bit of school. And these kids belly laugh like you could not believe. And playing with these kids, we laugh so hard. And so part of the background in that work as a dance movement therapist really allowed me to go into the jungle and it's a lot of the same questions. What's innately me? What do I really want to change? What do I not want to change? Um, But to belly laugh with those kids and have that full range of movement, man, it's golden, it's paradise. And the things we do to ourselves, to try to fit into the system where we really lose what I think almost any human being would value most, which is joy, pleasure, full sensations, deep breathing, connection with the earth, connection with ourselves, connection with the people we love. Laughter. Laughter, play, connection with the animals and plants.
0: Yeah, you managed to weave that right back in. Good job.
1: Well, it all all ties in because it's just, it's, and what I see too is the toxic masculine, um, and I love, I love healthy masculinity. I mean, I just love healthy masculinity. But in this society, we're continually at war, continually at war, we don't even, you know, Noam Chomsky would say there's hundreds of thousands of Iraqis dead, hundreds of thousands of human beings. And that is somehow okay. But, um. but so how do we reclaim that? And so the healthy feminine to me, is absolutely a part of that because it's there's just there's so much more joy and aliveness and I don't know if we'd call it the feminine, but I would call it aspects of that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were able to access a healthy feminine. Yeah. And um, what what t- what it what is the healthy masculine?
1: And I have to. I can tell my mind is editing. It's funny. I'm not real good on what's politically incorrect or not incorrect. So I'm just going to go. I'm just going to edit. My my heart is in this and my intention is in it. I was working at a chiropractor's office and um, super nice guy. He had done really well financially. He was an incredibly gifted healer. Over and over people would come in and say, I looked all around. I didn't get help until I found him. And he had this soft energy, not effeminate, but it was for me, I was like, "Gosh, this guy is so soft." Or so, but my my on my spectrum, it was so distorted. I was I was skewed towards what you'd want a soldier to be, and not a human being. And so, um, so what I found is that, um. And I love dance movement therapy because. It's. One, it's that the people I found there were so alive. And that's one of the reasons I knew I needed to study it because the people were alive. And in um, the women, a lot of them, I don't have words for it. When we say masculine or we say feminine, obviously somebody can be in a male body and can have more feminine characteristics, or in a female body have more male characteristics that they could access both. So I had, I had instructors where they could be fully in their assertive direct and then they could also be, in this nurture and as we track what's happening in society, like how is this how is this occurring? What are the roots of this? I think so much of it is too from that when I was growing up, you're doing be a man and you suck it up and and then the lack of movement we start to look at all these patterns, or what is it that allows us to create this situation?
0: And what are the ways perhaps of dismantling it? Totally. We start in with movement, maybe with Connecting to the earth and planting things and teaching our yes. children in ways other than disembodied ways.
1: Man, yeah, I love it.
0: So, where are you, Jeff? What are you doing next? Are you going back to Peru?
1: And I think I'll go into the quite the. And I was thinking, uh, yeah. And so actually, I'm gonna. Go in and let's see what comes up because it's changing so fast. Mm-hmm. Um, so, with this clarity that I've been shown in the dietas of what's happening on the planet. But so, one of my main focuses right now is whatever's possible to be on a healthy planet, where we're respecting and loving the earth and, and the animals. And just what we're talking about, how, how to have embodied children, how to help children um, move freely and fully and connect. And so I'm not quite sure what's next. One thing might be um, Peru is hard. It's just, it was very hard in my body and uh, not an easy way to live. And so there's a, a couple I know who are in a place in Central America and they're working with the plant medicine, synthesizing the work with the indigenous. And so I think that might be my next stop once the, once the border opens. And what I really see too is that, uh, I wanna, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this in a good way. I started off in organizational development and then was psychotherapy and body work, and, but it's really to look at all of it. Um, what is it gonna take to be on a healthy planet? And um, and I just don't see how we can do it with the structures we have in place. I look at it from any angle. And when we see the, the, the trajectory of humanity and what's happening and the forecasts from really grounded scientists, I just I just don't see how it's going to shift that quick. So what keeps coming up for me is communities. And I feel that in tracking this, I feel the joy come back in my body. So you can tell when I'm thinking the old way, it's like, how do we shift these structures? It gets heavy and dead and I get dead in my body because I just have no energy on it. And that's not to say other people wouldn't, but for me, I just don't. And when I start talking about the communities, I feel this laughter. I feel this joy. I remember us chasing each other and playing and, and being in the gardens. And so I'm really moving to, and it's so sustainable and it's so joyful and it doesn't need a, you know, of student loans and $250,000 house, it needs a hut and some fun people who are in their bodies who want to play. And so it's really about the plant medicine and and trying to, whatever way is going to be most useful for Westerners to be able to work with with what I learned from the indigenous and then with communities where we're um, growing trees and gardens and teaching the kids and learning from the kids and playing and laughing. That's what feels next.
0: What an amazing journey! I'm so honored that you are able to share it with me.
1: Yeah, it's really. I I just enjoy spending time with you, Kim. It feels very. I can just feel it in my core. It's just, and I really appreciate how you were able to help reflect that and help me come in and really connect with that. What a joy.
0: I'm sitting here thinking that um, you're a seeker, that you've been a seeker, and you found this thing, and now you're coming back as a teacher. I,
1: I seem to have that. I love to learn, and I love to share what I've learned, and, um, and that's very much my hope. And, part of, um, and so I grew up with some things that were pretty painful, and I was, I've always been looking for ways to heal that on as deep a level as possible and going wherever it takes. And um, and I found incredible ways, dance movement therapy, body work. And, um, and so when I, a lot of the times I was down in Peru, it was so painful. I mean, there were times I just wanted to die. It was just, it's just not easy. And I just kept thinking, if I can share this, if somebody can have this healing process be this much quicker, it's like, you know, I can do this. And so, yeah, so it's very much in my heart to share any of this. And also just to have it that whatever date in the future we sit down and we laugh about this. Oh, remember we were talking about humanity gone mad and your kids are up playing and laughing and growing trees. And it's just, it's just, it's possible. And I believe the plant medicine is part of that. So yeah, I want to share whatever I can with, with any of this and be in learning and teaching communities where we're all learning and we're all sharing, we're all growing. It's a hopeful vision. I feel it. I've seen it in all these communities and I haven't found it all in one place yet.
0: Yeah. I think there's a, there's a growing hunger for many people for that. Thank you so much.
1: You're welcome. You're welcome. Can we do just a minute of visioning where we, what was coming through was what didn't work, but just, uh, Imaging ourselves in this place of healing because it's right there. We can feel the flow of life, this flow underneath all. And so we shift to the conversation, and you and I are in a place of natural beauty. And the kids are playing, and your family's there, and anybody who wants to be. And, and it's beautiful. And people are alive, and the kids are, their whole way of being is in their bodies. They know does this feel good? Does this feel good in my body, in my heart? And they have relationships with the plants and trees and they grow little plants and trees and they laugh and they play and they're free. They're so free. And people are joyful and there's challenges, but they they work through them. And there's just more than enough. People know when they come in, they can rely on the earth and the plants. And when they retire, there's more than enough. And there's healing arts and performing arts. And that sense of sanity is back and groundedness. And it's good. And we reclaim our birthrights, that it's our birthright to live like that. And anything that says differently is not true. And we stay firm in that. And I feel that.
0: Start imagining ourselves back toward that birthright. Yeah. Of living in relationship with the earth and one another.
1: Yes, and ourselves. Mm -hmm.
0: Beautiful. I love the idea of the birthright, coming home to the birthright of what it means to be human, what it means to be alive. We get to choose. Man. We get to choose how we nourish ourselves.
1: Yeah. Yeah, much, Much love to you and your family, and here's to a healthy world.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you to Jeff Gilbert for being a conduit of wisdom directly from the richest. Rainforest on earth. Thank you to Josie Rothwell for the opening credits and Erin Kate Denick for the closing credits. Thank you to EEIC for sponsoring this podcast and thank you to our listener for joining me in the return to embodiment.
1: I fear you. or a past that is